Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Go ahead and, and, and take out your notepad, take out your phone, whatever it is that you write notes with. We want to make sure that you're prepared and you're ready. We're going to continue in the second sermon of our series, uh, which is Word from the Fam. Uh, last week we shared a message and it was titled, Is it Hot in Here or Is it Just Me? Amen? And today we're going to continue that and write these three words down on your notes. I need you. I need you. Can you say that with me? I Man, I need you. May, may, maybe look at the person next to you and just give them a pound and just tell them, I need you. I need you. I pray that today's word would bless you. I pray that today's word would speak uh, dearly to your heart. As we look at today's message, I need you, and that's what I titled it, um, I want to focus on the word need. Need. Um, because I feel that we use the word need a lot. How many of you agree with me? We just use the word need a lot, need. Uh, kind of like we do with the word love. Um, we love everything. Um, every, we use it so freely, and, and it's because it's part of our day-to-day vocabulary where we say things like, I need this, or ah, I just love that. And, and do we really love it, and do we really need it? Uh, uh, for example, a new phone version is released and many people will say things like I need that phone um, and we know that there's a difference between want and need and hopefully you understand that that this is not a message today to divide and to separate and to show the differences between what a want is and what a need is hopefully we all understand that that wants and needs are two different things just because I want something does not mean that I need it. Have you ever wanted something that you know that, or you, you bought it because you wanted it so much, and that's, after it's been in your house, you know deep down inside you didn't need it. You have it because you wanted it, but it wasn't a need. And sometimes we need, we need something that I don't necessarily want. And this one too could be very personal to us. Sometimes we need to be told the truth Though we don't want it, and though we don't want to be told the truth, but we need it. Needs and wants are two different things. And I know that I've used the words, uh, the, or the word need improperly. I need, I need those shoes. I need those, that shirt. I need this. I need that. I've used that word need freely with understanding that I don't need it actually at all. I have many shoes, some that... How many of you in your closet have shoes that within the last year you haven't even used it? All right, there you go. Some hands are going up. In your closet, you have shirts that if you were to clean out your closet today, how many of your shirts have you not used in the last year? But you see a new shirt, like, I just need it. And you're like, no, you have 15 others in your closet that you have not used this year. We're all in the same boat. We're all struggling with that together. But, but it's the reality of where we're at. It's the difference between need and want. And, and I've been there, and I'm sure many of us, and if not all of us, can relate to this. And what I want to do is encourage you today, and I want to tell you as we look at the word need, specifically this right here, it's that I need you. 
I need you. Now, it would be weird if I said, I want you. So I'm going to say, I need you. That's, that's the message today. I need you. I need you. As we speak on the word need. And I hope you understand that, that there's also a person, a person that is sitting around you at this very moment, and they need you. And there may be someone that's not here today that you're thinking about. Maybe you're not even thinking about an individual, and they need you. Someone's watching online, and they need you as well. They need you. They need you. You've ever felt in your life that you've been at, a, at this place, and you're like, I just need someone at this moment. I just need. Maybe you're like, I just need God. I, I don't know. Maybe you're somebody like, I just need ice cream. But, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I just need Whatever it is, I need this. And for what it means, I want to make sure that you understand that. That you are needed. And number two, that I believe there is a true need. So let's talk about need. What is this need? What, what is need? A, a need is, yes, a lack of. Because if you need something, you lack it. So it's a lack of something, but specifically something useful. That's what a need is. A need can be defined as requiring something uh, uh, because it's essential, because it's very important, and I require that, I need that, like I need help now, and you can fill in the blank. It could also be described as a circumstance in which something is necessary, that, that, that some sort of course of action needs to take place. It's a necessity. And, I, and we think about, in the, defin- in the dictionary, it says a, a sentence like this. There is a human need for food in many parts of the world. Need. It's something that is necessary. It's something that there, there's got to take a course of action to, to meet this thing, to, to fill the void of this thing. And, and that's the word that I want to speak about. Not want, because want is just this desire. It's almost like I wish. I wish I could. It's like a wishing for And I don't want to talk about just what we're wishing for. I want to talk about the need. The need. So the first thing I want to share if you're taking notes is this. There is a true need. A true need. A true need. Now I want you to define that right there where you're sitting in your own space there, in your own mind. Well, what is the true need that you could come up with? What is the true need? I mean, we could probably answer it all with one thing. But but what is the true need that's personal in your life? What is the true need that is personal within your family? Does your family need something? I bet you there's a family listening or will listen to this message that says, yeah, my family really needs healing right now. They're desperate for healing. Or someone will say, I need, I need forgiveness. I need to forgive. Need. Think about what that means personally in your life. What's the true need? We could say all these kinds of things. We give all these kinds of examples. Like I just shared, we need more forgiveness. More compassion. That's what we need in this world. We need peace. Maybe you said that. I said earlier, we need healing. And we could spend really the next hour going around and discussing about all the needs that that we have and all the needs that we want met, we could share about it forever. And some needs are personal. Some needs, maybe you won't even say them out loud. They're personal to us. And then some are global. When you look at the word need, they're worldwide. And needs come 
in many different forms. And to every single person, it can be different. And I hope that we get after the end of this message is that there is a supplier and there is one that knows in detail those very needs that you cry for. Amen. I believe that there is a true need. And I believe that it's rooted. That it's rooted because there is a need, specifically a need of God. Not only a need of God, but there is a need for God. A need of God is not because God is not present. Oh, we just need of God. What does that mean? He's not present, so we just need of God? It doesn't mean that God is not present. And we need a God to help us. And everyone's crying out for what, to whatever it is as a remedy to help them and to help solve their problem. I believe that in this need, it just may be something so simple but yet so deep. It may be that there is an absence of a cry. And I would like for you to write that down because I think that's going to come full circle as we close up the sermon later. Maybe the need that we're speaking about here as we're just introducing it, maybe it's because there's an absence of a cry. Of a cry. And listen to this. When there is an absence of a cry, most times there is a lack of revelation. When there is an absence of a cry, you, you, I mean, I could sit with you and show you in Scripture many examples of when there is an absence of a cry, there is lack of revelation. Most important, as we speak of revelation, a revelation of God, of who God is, a revelation of His Word, of what God says. When there is an absence of a cry, there could also be a lack of revelation for who he is, for who God is, and for what God says, his word. Amen? So I do believe, as I introduce this message, I need you, that there is a true need. And the problem may be so simple. And it could be as simple as the way that we're communicating the need. Or the way that we're not communicating the need. There are times where we've tried to communicate the good news with someone. And what we've done or what has happened is we've driven them farther away rather than drawing them closer. We go home like, I did a good deed today. I, I shared the word with someone. But we didn't take to account that what you probably did was you drew them farther away. I'm wondering if any of you have ever had an encounter where you know that after you left that encounter, you said, I think I drew them away more than I drew them in. I have. I felt that. I think I did wrong here. I, don't, I think I wasn't listening right. Instead of drawing them closer, maybe it's the way we communicated or did not communicate it. And I wanted to encourage to say this, that the importance of living in, the, in, the, in that moment, in the moment. When we speak to someone, we, we know that, that there are schedules. We know that there are things to do in, in our own lives. There are deadlines and there are dinners and there are parties and there's family. And, and there's so much, right? So many things to attend and to complete that I just defined many of your lives. So many things to do. So many things to complete. But when we speak to people, when we work with our co-workers, when we spend time with our family, take time 
when we communicate and we speak about the needs in people's lives, you're not going to necessarily just reach their, their need and touch their need by just saying, oh, I gotta, I'm going to just preach the gospel for 30 minutes to you. That's not the answer necessarily to, to touch them and to fill and to really touch their need. I know that the gospel is the powerful thing, and I know the gospel is living and powerful and it's for today. I get it. I get that your words are no words and comparable to the, the words of the gospel, but I will say that your life is also a living epistle lived out before them. So live in the moment. Take time to know the person. Hear the person. Empathize with their story, with their past, with their childhood, with their culture with their environment. If you grab an individual who's been damaged since they were a child and you just present the gospel and you come in hard, you think they received it? No, they needed you to spend time and hear them and see why they're hurting and what caused the hurt and how many years have they been hurt and what's it rooted in. And then then God gives you wisdom in his word to, to address the real need there. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't need to preach the gospel. Sometimes you just need to listen and live the gospel. It's how we communicate it many times when we do life with people. This is not an excuse to not preach and share the gospel, though. Make sure that you don't say, thank God, because I didn't want to share the word. That's not what I'm saying either. But take time to know them. I'm, I'm a true believer, as you can see, that it's more powerful, it's more important, or you want to say maybe more effective, for someone to see goodness in you before hearing goodness come out from you. What I mean by that is let them question. Let them question your behavior. Let them question your attitude. The way that you live. What is it about you? Because I'm hungry and you're addicting and there's something about you that I long for. Oh, let me share with you then. Let them question. Because then the door will open. Because you've won them with your life. And now they've been open or they've opened themselves to receive and learn from you whether there really is a God and what that means in their lives. How many of you could say amen? Amen. You know, I I started thinking about all of that and I said, there's a scripture that that relates to this and I want to read it. And in Romans chapter 10, relatively reminds us of what I'm sharing with you right now. I want to read it. It's uh, two verses in Romans 10. It's uh, verse 14 and 15. Look at these words with everything that I've just told you. And um, at the end, I I want to come back to this passage again. But this is what Paul writes. He says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how... Can they believe in him unless they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Amen. Just think about these verses here for a moment in Romans 10. These messengers. 
I truly feel that these messengers who bring the good news, they first bring the good news because if you read here in the scripture, because they were sent and they were sent to them. The messengers are sent to them. And when I read that, I get it, that they're to be in the moment. They're to be present. They're to be there before the individuals that they're going to share the gospel. They're to be in the moment with another individual. And when you're in the moment with another individual, it has a great ripple effect if the gospel truly lives in that person. It has a ripple effect. It does something ongoing that, because it's alive and it's real. And when you, you come alongside someone and you just do life with them and you just hear them and you just spend time with them and you just go constantly paying attention to them and just being a friend and being a brother and a sister, there's, there's something that the gospel that is in you, it becomes alive and they begin to thirst and hunger for it. And this point, this first point in which I'm emphasizing that there is a true need. I believe that Romans unpacks it quickly here for us. And I think it's a perfect scripture to get into this because it says here, how can they call? Everyone say call. How can they cry out? Remember what I said earlier. Maybe, maybe it's because there's, a, there's an absence of a cry. There's an absence of a call. How can they call? How can they cry out to him unless they believe? And how will they ever believe if they've never heard? And then he says, how will they ever hear if no one tells them? And how will anyone ever tell them unless they are sent, sent to them? Think about the, the breakdown. Like Paul is actually breaking it down. He's not just saying, oh, people are miserable. They're all going to go to hell. He's not saying that. Some preachers do that. But Paul's saying there's a, wait, there's an effect to this. There's a reason why they don't believe. It's because there's not a cry. And they're not, they don't cry because they don't believe. They don't believe because they haven't heard. They haven't heard because no one's preached. They haven't preached because they haven't been sent out. And Paul is breaking down the dynamics of what the real problem is in Romans 10. And he's showing us, the church, oh, I'm, I'm, I see it. I see it deeper now. It's, it's simple, but, but it's definitely more in depth than what God's calling us. So as I said earlier, if there is no revelation of God, maybe it's because there is no cry. There's no cry because we just read in Romans 10, there is no belief. There is no belief because there is no one speaking. And I wrote this down very carefully. There is no one speaking anymore. Someone's like, shh, that's not true. I posted my devotional up on Facebook this morning. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. That's good. I keep doing that, but that's not what I'm talking about. No one's speaking anymore because they haven't answered their true call in their life, which is that they've been sent. Everyone in here say, I've been sent. If, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you've been, you've been, you've been seared and you've been covered with the blood and you receive salvation, amen? Some of you are still not sure if you receive salvation. Okay. You've been sent. There's a calling on your life and you've been sent. You've been sent. Well, where am I going? Where are you going to send me? No, he's sending you. He, you've been sent. And we're going to, hopefully you understand the need of this. And because when I say you've been sent, well, what does that mean? It means you've been commissioned. We, we know in scripture and we teach in, in churches a lot 
uh, the Great Commission, and, and it's big in discipleship classes, the Great Commission. And it's something that we read in Matthew 28, 19, and it's what we've labeled as the Great Commission. And we're going to read that, but, but I, I want us to grasp this, that, that we've all been sent, we've all been commissioned. Who has? Every single one of us has been commissioned. Every single one of us has been sent. Not one of us is saying, well, that's just for that kind of people, ah, not me. No, no. If Christ is in you, salvation has entered your life, you live a sent life, a commissioned life. Now, if you're doing it, that's, that's between you and God. <laughs> that's your responsibility and that's your answer before the Lord. If you're actually living out as a sent one. But if you are, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're, you're sent, you're commissioned. Do you see that as we look at all this, that there's a true need? And I think in Romans 10, it's showing us that there's a true need for God. And there's a people that need God. But there's also another twist to the story. It's, yes, there's a need, but who's going to go? Who's going to go? Because there's a need. Let's read the Great Commission. Ready? In Matthew 28, 19, very important that we understand this. When we read the scripture, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus is not just speaking to the 11 disciples that are in attendance, okay? You might be like, oh my God, pastor doesn't even know there's 12 disciples. He just said 11. No, no the 12th one committed suicide. So there's 11 right now. Because Matthias has not necessarily entered the group yet to be the 12th disciple. So at this moment, there's 11. There's 11 disciples. And Jesus is, has come and appeared to them and wants to give them this one last little, what is it, hoorah or hooray, you know. Just go, go get them. Go do it. Go for it, as we like to say. But as these 11 men are present and young men, it's not just for them, it's... It's, a, it's in the Bible, and I know this. It's for all of us still today. And here's what he says. It's a, it's a very popular scripture. Matthew 20 and 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God. Teach these new disciples. To obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even to the end of age. You've heard this scripture before. Matthew 28, 19, and, 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 and this point of that there is, there is a true need. And, and here is this commission that the Lord is telling believers to, to go and do. Let them come to know it. Let them come to know me. And you could see the urgency here, right? The, the heart of God and the words here of Christ that I would supply all their needs and all that they cry for, that I would meet them there and supply them. You've been called to this. You've been sent to this. Now you go. Everyone, he's calling them to go and make. That means go and work it out. Go, go and put to action. That doesn't mean that, oh, I, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm just going to my prayer closet and I'm praying about it. No. Amen. I'm glad you're praying about it. But watch this. Ready? You pray, get up now, and go do. 
You, you go, take action, become alive in Christ. And that's what he's telling the disciples and that's what he's telling us to do to go and make there is a true need of people that are lost nations that are lost and disciple them and teach them all the teachings that i've taught you but know this it'll be difficult at times but i'm going to be with you to the end he's telling his followers as he's still saying it today there's a need out there but who's gonna go there's a need let them know it let them know me in Psalm chapter 23, David writes a very popular psalm. And many of us, maybe we know it by memory or a family member has quoted it to us. But I'm not going to read the whole Psalm 23, but just that first line. And David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, what does he say? I shall not want. That means that with our Lord, we'll have our needs met. I shall not want. The Amplified Bible interprets it and says it this way. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. You, you, know, you read these verses and I get it. That there is a true need. Our shepherd is to meet the needs of this world. Specifically to feed them, to guide, to shield, and to reveal that in him they shall not lack. They shall not lack. So we've broken down this first little section here. And we've recognized that number one, that there is a true need. How many of you agree with me already so I could just get out of it, that there is a true need in this world today? How many of you right now can drive five miles to someone that you know, less than five miles to someone that you know, and you know that as you go visit them today, that there's a true need in their lives. Every single one of us, we know someone. Maybe you're sitting here today like, man, if you only knew that there's a true need in my life. Some of you will hang out this week or, very, or today with someone that you know. My God, there's, there's such a void. There's such a hole. There's such a need. If God could just fill it in their lives. We, we all know someone or we're, we've, we've all been there or maybe some of us are there. There's a true need. So my second part is, well, so then what? What now? Well, here it is. Well, I need you. Since there is a true need, I need you. How many of you, as soon as I said, you don't need me, what you need is God. <laughs> Relax. If that was your heart, like, relax. Because all over the Bible, God uses people over and over again. So, so God doesn't need us. What people need is God. Yes. But God, Scripture says, has instruments on this earth. Vessels of honor, and there are vessels of dishonor. But he uses vessels. He uses instruments. Come on, how many of you could say, I need you? I know it sounds weird to say, doesn't it? Because maybe we want to do it all by ourselves or in our own strength. Or maybe that person, the last thing we want to do is really help them. Well, you know what? They've already done this three times. To me, l let them deal with it. Come on, I need you. I need you. I hope you understand this today, if you could leave with anything here today. 
It's this, that there is someone in your life personally that needs you. Stop looking at all the needs that you have for a moment. Like get over that for one moment. And I want you to focus on this. Ready? I know I have personal needs because I do. But right now, is there people in my life that need me? Can you answer that? There are people in your life that need you. Come on, I need you. As we talked about, there is a true need that talks about, yes, there's a need for, for God, but I need you. There's a need, and there's a need for each other. I didn't want to go into the popular scripture of when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts, and we all play different, we're all different members, and we all play a part. I didn't want to get into that because I feel like we know that scripture very well. But I want to get into a scripture in Philippians chapter 4. And Paul writes to the Philippians, and I thought that it was very interesting that as he writes to them, he thanks them. And Paul thanks them for one thing. And it's for being one of the only churches that gave him financial help. To Paul, this was very personal. And Paul decided to write a letter and in his letter to include a thank you note to them for blessing them with the need that he had. Which was, you gave me when all the other churches were not willing to give me, you, the church of Philippi, gave me financial help. And he stopped and he thanked them. I, wanna, I want you just to read from Paul's heart here. Let's read, uh, let's start off in verse 16. Philippians chapter 4, verse 16. Check this out. Really cool passage. He says, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. So, so pause. Who's receiving this letter? It's a community. It's a gathering of Christians in another region. And this gathering, this community of Christians, community of brothers and sisters, have helped his, and, 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 and blessed him in his need more than once, he tells them. More than once you've been there for me. You have someone in your life that's been there for you more than once? Find someone. More than once. Verse 17, he says, I don't say this. So it's almost like Paul, right? Being pastoral, bishoply. I'm not saying this so you can send me something a third time or a fourth time. Like, I want to be very clear. I'm just thanking you. I'm not telling like, do it again. It's almost like when we come up here and say, you know, you know it's, you should all be tithing, but, but how do I tell them that? You know, we, we try to... It's, that's not what Paul's doing here. Paul's not like watching his words. He really wants to just share his heart and say, hey, don't just give an offering again. Like, it's, it's deeper than that. Look what he says. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, but rather I want you now to receive the reward for your kindness that you would receive as I've received from you. Verse 18, at the moment, I have, at this moment, I have all I need, Paul says. As he's writing this, I want you to understand as the recipient of this letter, I'm, I'm looking at it as if I'm one of the Philippians and I get it. Paul's thanking us, the community of believers, us, because we've given to him in his ministry more than once. And because of that, Paul says this in verse 18, at this very moment, I have all I need. But he can't say that without verse 16 and 17. You've helped me more than once. And because of that, I have all I need. 
I get that I'm your leader, Paul says, but, but you've done something to actually help me, and you've been a blessing and an encouragement in, in my life. At this moment, Paul tells them, I have all I need. And then he says this, and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable, and it's pleasing to God. I mean, man, we could just go to so many different avenues. They're, they're giving, Paul recognizes it as an act of worship unto the Lord. It's blessed me, it's helped our mission here, but I want you to know that God's also received it as an aroma that is pleasing to him. It's a worship unto the Lord, Paul is saying. All right, and then he says in verse 19, very, very important scripture. <clears throat> and this same God who takes care of me, Paul, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. How many of you like that? From, from his glorious riches. From, uh, when you see, when I read this, I thought about this. Here's where my mind goes off, ready? When Paul writes, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. You know what I actually saw in my mind? I saw the Lord, like the way I do when I pay for my bills. I go into my bank account, and I pay my bills online, and I have to see how much I have in my account to see if it fits how much I'm going to pay for that, for, for, in that section of payments of bills. So I, I, I think about God looking at, at his account, and the Lord is like, oh, I'm, I could supply all your needs from my glorious riches. And I thought about him looking at his checking account or his savings account and, and actually saying, I give from the abundance of my account because as I'm looking at my account, I'm recognizing that it never ends. My riches are ongoing and forevermore. They're not like yours on earth where there's an end to them and you could waste them and then you have to claim, claim bankruptcy and all that stuff. Like mine, when I'm looking at my screen of my glorious riches, I see that there's no end to them. When you start to find them, that's just the beginning because there is no end to them. And Paul says, the God who takes care of me will supply you from that same bank account. <laughs> Stop for a moment. You're the recipient of this letter. You're the Philippian church. Think about what Paul's saying. The same God that sends checks to me is the same God that's going to start sending checks to you. And it, what it is, it's a spiritual blessing. It's glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's cha-ching, 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 falling from heaven. He's meeting, he's supplying and meeting all those needs that you have from his glorious riches. And he says, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. How many of you are blessed by that? That, you've, that it's been downloaded into your account. It's been downloaded into your system. The riches of God's glory. You, you have Zelle? You have Cash App? It sounds good when it goes ching and it's on, it goes to you. But when you're about to hit that symbol, you're like, you sent in the but when that thing goes, ching, like, okay, go into my account. Okay, 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 okay. Yes, accept, accept. And that's what the Lord has done. Hit the accept button. I'm, I'm downloading stuff. There's glorious riches. Hit the accept button. There's glorious riches. Glorious riches. I, I, love, this, I love this passage, and, and I love Paul's heart here in um, Philippians chapter 4. 
Because this is so pure how Paul is revealing the heart of God with, within the Philippians. And I want us to see the heart of God in this passage as I think we should as we read scripture. And he's telling them because you gave, because you've demonstrated the attribute of God, because God is giver, because of your life, it's not just your words. Look what he's telling the Philippian church. It's not just your words, but your actions have shown the riches and greatness of our God. So as God has taken care of me through you all, He will now take care of you. He will supply all of your needs from His glorious riches, is what Paul is telling the church. As He's continued to give to you, you've allowed Him to continue to give through you. And that is powerful. Because I will say, you know, you have a Zelle account, Cash App account. And, 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 and what it is, is because you've been downloaded so much from the Lord, it's actually been more of a blessing to hit what? Sent. That, in, uh, that, that your reaction to him downloading stuff into you is to what? I have to now download that into someone else's life. I have to give back now. I have to. I can't just keep all of this for me. I can't just hoard all of this stuff for me. I just can't take on the glorious riches of God. I have to recognize that there is people in my life as the Lord has downloaded into me that I'm doing life with that now I have to download into them. I need to share the riches of God's glory in someone else's life. I'm sending you money. I'm sending you a blessing. Come on, accept it. I messed up. I said money. And all of you are like, oh, he's going to send us money today. And that's what Paul is telling them. He's continued to give to you. And now you've allowed him to, to continue to give through you. It's a never-ending fountain that doesn't just bless one person. But it blesses everyone involved. Come on, I need you. Come on, they need you. He needs you. She needs you. People in your life, they need you. That person you can't stand. You know why there's a, you know why there's a reason you can't stand them? Because they need you. Don't God send me anywhere but there. Be careful when you pray that. Because there was a man that got swallowed by a fish that said the same words one time. <laughs> so that might be the person he's going to send you to. And if he needs to swallow you in a fish, he's going to do it. So if your prayer says, you know, I, I don't mind sharing and living my life before people, but there's just this one person or this one group of people that I just can't do it. That's the, the answer and the godly answer that, oh, that's probably the one that God's sending you to. <laughs> now you know the heart of Jonah and what happened with him and many others. Come on. It's a never-ending fountain that blesses everyone involved. You're blessed because you've been blessed. Now you're blessed because you bless others and now they're blessed. And they're blessed and God is honored and he's blessed. Come on, I can't stress this enough. I need you. They need you. We need you. Paul is, is saying my needs have been met because your needs have been met by God. Have you ever considered that someone's needs can be met because your needs have been met by God? That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that God did what? That God said what? Wait, wait. You mean to? And you have a conversation with someone because God met their need. Through their life, now God is meeting your need. 
You see my message, what it means today? You see where I'm going at? Because I'm almost done. And I'm going to make sure you understand this. God needs us to accomplish His purposes through us. I think I'm going to say that very freely and openly. He needs us to accomplish His purposes through us. I get it. There's someone that's saying, man, He doesn't need anything from us. God needs us to accomplish His purposes through us. Maybe I could say it this way. Because there's too many voices that are always screaming at us. At, at least this is how I grew up, right? God doesn't need you. <laughs> you ever been told that? God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. God. And then you're just like, you're in the faith. You're like, oh my gosh, so what am I doing here? <laughs> I thought this was a real... Can you imagine someone invites you into a relationship with God? You come and you accept this relationship. And then the next Bible study, they're telling you, God doesn't need you. Like, I just said, I do. And now he doesn't need me. Like, this is very confusing relationship. You're telling me it's personal. I've never met a personal relationship with a beloved that I say I do to. And then in return, they say, well, I don't need you now. I've tricked you. Like, that's a trick. I think we're interpreting scripture wrong. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. God, Let's stop saying that if, we're, if we are saying that. And I get why they're saying God doesn't need you. I think it's been misconstrued what they mean. What that means is that God can raise another up in your place because he uses us. God raising up another in your place does not mean that God still wants to use you. That's why God removes and puts other people in. God just does things because he has to. But at the end, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. There's still a need and he wants to use you. And he wants to do a work through you. Amen? I think, no, I know, as scripture teaches, that you are in a relationship with the Lord. And because of that, it goes both ways. I feel that God wants to do great things and accomplish great things, not just in you, but also through you. He wants and he will use all of us. So be very careful that you invite someone to the Lord and then the next Bible study you have with them is to re remind them that they're not needed. Because <laughs> you're going to confuse someone. And it's not because we're equal to God. I have to say this right after that because this is the part where like famous preachers and, and like popular, like have you ever seen it on YouTube? They clip out certain sermons and then they're like, he's a heretic, you see? And then they go through a whole 30 minute discourse for a one-minute clip. Like, dude, listen to the 30-minute message before you cancel the guy after one. You know, people do that. They love it. They have too much time on their hand. So because I just said that, I don't want someone to clip, and I'm, I'm not at that stage, but you never know. There's weirdos out there. Let's make, sure, let's make sure that we answer this right. All right, so we said that. I'm not equal, and you're not equal to God. But it's because he loves us. And we've always been part of his plan. We've always been part of the plan. Amen? I mean, one of the most, if not the most important scriptures and most quoted scriptures is what? John 3, 16. Let's read it just so you could be reminded. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You guys read that? I read that and I say this. How dare I or we speak 
so lowly of each other when God gave his one and only unique son for us to believe in him and in believing that we would not die but have everlasting eternal life how can I speak so low about you when God says hey I love that person so much that this is what I gave for them God needs you on this earth and you're still here on this earth and here's why I believe that God needs you God needs you because you testify his goodness to others amen his goodness what do you like to put like something sweet maybe maybe a candy maybe some of you are against candy maybe it's a certain drink that you like like me it's when I go a long time with Coca-Cola has that happened to you and you get a nice cold one and you drink it and it sizzles your whole body just shakes it like jeez that's never happened to anyone that's never happened to anyone when you, ha- when you haven't drank coke in a long time and you drink one you're just like wow dude all, uh, the caffeine just rushes to your head you're, just, you, you, it get, it, you're insane it's called Coca-Cola for a reason but you know you're just insane you go insane that feeling's great it might not be the healthiest for you but what, do you, what have you tasted and seen and, and said, wow, that's good? And I said that God needs you because you testify his goodness to others. We've preached here many times of, about fruit and how we know man by his fruit and all that. In my house, we buy fruit for the kids. But how many of you can relate to this? In my house, I also throw away foods because the kids don't eat it. A lot of my food goes raw and gets mold on it. I have to throw it away. I'm wondering, as we continue to remind you when it's tasted, is it raw, is it moldy, or is it sweet? Is it the goodness that has entered to that person? God needs us to testify of his goodness. Amen? So here's Jesus' very own words, and I'm going to ask maybe Tito to come up here. Jesus' very own words, listen to this, in chapter 13, verse 35. This is what he says. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Look what he tells his followers. Love each other. (laughs) Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. I won't ask you to say amen. How many of you can say amen? I I I won't do that. But verse 34, I think I get what Jesus is saying here. And he's saying, someone needs your love just as you needed my love once. Did you not read that? Someone needs your, needs your love just as you needed my love. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Love as I've loved you. Look at verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So what does the enemy do to confuse the world of those who are disciples of God? He comes and he starts to mess with their relationship. Because if he could stain the love that they have for each other, then they stain that they are the true sons and daughters of God on this earth. And that's what he does. So since the church began, 
since body of believers got together and began to worship and praise the Lord, the enemy has always divided one from another because it stains, it stains the world from the true sons and daughters of God. So if I could just get into their company and cause them to stain their love for each other, many in the world will also be drawn back because they'll see that that's not who I truly am. Come on, God needs you to testify of his goodness. Amen? I'm going to read Romans 10 one more time. Verse 14. How can they call on him? Everyone say call. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they call? Number two, how can they believe in him? Everyone say believe. How can they believe if they've never heard about him? How can they call? How can they believe? Number three, how can they hear? Everyone say hear. About him unless someone tells them. How can they call? How can they believe? How can they hear? Unless someone tells them. But number four, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Everyone say sent. Sent. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers bring good news come on someone needs you so this is what I did number one I have some helpers in the the audience with me today and the first helper cries out and this is what they cry out how can I call how can I call? Where's that helper? How can I call? The second helper comes up and they say, how can I believe? The second person represented today is the one that says, how can I believe? Just come up here to the stage. And, and the third person comes up and says, well, how can I hear? How can I hear? And come up here, guys, and just stand here kind of like in the middle. And these are three individuals that are individuals that we do life with. There's, they're, 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 these are people in our lives. And there's more than three. It could be one main person. It could be a hundred people. It, it, these, these are people in our lives. And I'm telling you today that you're needed. And I need you. We need you. They need you. She needs you. He needs you. That person's house that you're making plans to go have dinner with, they need you. That date night you're planning on doing, they need you. Like, people need you. And this is a cry deep in their spirit. Maybe they're not saying it with their words, but they're crying out, how can I call? And they don't know how to say it. But deep in their spirit, that's what they're saying. How can I call? How can I call on something that I don't even believe? There's someone that's crying out in their heart, how can I believe? You want me to call on something? How do I, how, how, where do I even begin? Who lives still on this earth that could help me to believe, that could teach me to believe, that sh to show me what it means to believe. Maybe we've become so... 
Maybe we become experts theologically, but we failed on one-on-ones, discipleship. Who's going to walk alongside me and, and tell me what it means to call and tell me what it means to believe? Where do I start? And who's going who's gonna to share something to me so that I can hear? Because all I'm hearing in this day is negative stuff and all I'm hearing is people, people are crying to me because people are dying. People are crying to me because people are losing their jobs. All I'm hearing is I'm being bombarded at work. I'm being bombarded by my family. I'm being bombarded by my friends. I'm being bombarded by everyone around. All I'm hearing is this. this I How can I hear something good? And then we got a bunch of agents. We got a bunch of commissions. A bunch of sent out people like us. One of our codes actually is we leave the nest. That, that whole we leave the nest is actually about being sent, being commissioned. It's not about a ministry. You are the ministry. Like we just, we've made church into like this, and it's beautiful when churches are doing it because people are being used and I'm not against it, you know. I pray for that. It's good. It's, all those things are great. When, when there's all these ministries and, and, and all that, but don't, don't make it an organization when you forget to be the organism. You are the body of Christ. You are the ministry. And there's people that need you. I need you. I mean, Paul, an apostle, wrote a letter and he decided on his letter to tell the church that he leads, man, I needed you and now I have more than enough because you've given to me. Who can write a letter about you and say, hey, my cry was this. How can I call? My cry was this. How can I believe? My cry was this. How can I hear? But that the church would rise up during this age. I mean, the series is called Word from the Fam, so I'm treating you like family. You know what I mean? It's not just like, hey, you know, I don't want you just to leave here feeling good. I want you to li live, live, leave here living right. So, so you have these three things and these three things are evident in every single one of our lives and this is the main thing right now. We look at this and, and, and you say, man, only, only, only if I tell them. That's the answer. It's only if I tell them. It's only if I tell them. They're asking these questions. How can I hear? Only if I tell you. How can I believe? Only if I tell you. How? Can I call only if I tell you? But someone's got to do it. And I've been sent. I've been commissioned. I've been called. Someone needs me. And they're on this platform. I have a question for you. Seriously, I do. How can I hear? No, that's my question. I have another question for you. How can I believe? I have a third question for you. How can I call? And my fourth question is this. What are you going to say? Come on, church. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Because these people right here, they need to cry again. Because unless they don't cry again, there is no more revelation of God. 
what's the next step that they would come to believe? How will they believe, man, if they begin to hear us? How will they ever hear us? Well, if I just begin to live in my potential and be called, sent out. Start your ministry right now. Start it right now. Yeah, but I'm not getting paid for it. Ministry is not about you getting paid for it. Start right now and pay for it spiritually. When you walk out these doors, we should put a sign up there that says, Start your ministry. Start your ministry. Start your calling. You're commissioned out. Come on, you are a missionary in this world. Every si- I don't know if my, you know, you have those conversations with you. I just don't know if I've been called to be a missionary. The scripture says that you're not of this world. We're all missionaries in this world because we don't even belong here. One day you'll live in your house, but this is all borrowed. Borrowed time, borrowed land, borrowed everything. Why? Because you're a missionary on earth. Come on, you're sent out. You're called out. You've been commissioned. How many of you could say amen? Let's give a hand to these three. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, maybe we could do something like this. We'll leave them here for days. Nah, just play. Yeah, we have nothing to lean those on. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, whatever. There you go. All right, guys. So I close with this. Did you receive the word of the Lord? My question is, how will you tell them? In Luke chapter 10, the Lord is doing ministry with many of his followers, Jesus. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, The Lord, it says in verse 1, chooses 72 of the disciples. And he sends them ahead in pairs. He sends them into to all the towns and all the places that he planned to visit. Like, for real, let's pause right there. God doesn't need me. What do you mean? The Lord just said, I'm going to go visit. And before I visit, I need you to go visit there first. Like, that's crazy. So it's almost like we've all been called to be John the Baptist. We've all been called to be heralds. We're heralds. We're all John the Baptist. We've carried on that mantle. And what do we do? We proclaim the Lord. Why? Because he needs us. And he says, he sent them by two in all the towns and places that he planned to visit. Verse 2, these were his instructions to them. I love this verse. How many of you thought about this scripture every time I, while I was preaching the whole time? Well, here it is for you. For the one that was like, when is he going to mention it? He's going to mention it. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him. Look at the words. You're praying and ask him to send. Good. I'm glad you pray, but you're also called to be sent. And send to send more workers into his fields. I'm gonna skip to verse 8. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, you eat whatever is set before you, you heal the sick, and you tell them the kingdom of God is near you, is at hand. Verse 16 
And then he said to his disciples, the message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you, can you imagine that? The Lord is looking at 72 people and he says, whoever rejects you also rejects me. And you're like, whoa, God, that's, you're putting me in a high standard. On a platform that I shouldn't be standing on. He's like, it's not about you, it's about what you carry. And if they reject what you carry, they reject me because I carry you. What carries you? If they reject what carries you. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So church, I could only encourage you by saying they need you. I need you. We need you. But what will you do? What a moment we're living in to be just this, these individuals to be sent out and start Start your earthly ministry now. Right now. Right now. So you should be asking, well, where do I start? Where do I go? Go to the field because the harvest is plentiful. So start walking down the field. If you still don't understand what that field is, don't leave today. I want to help you know what that field is in your life. Go to your field. The harvest is plentiful you're sent out answer these questions amen can you stand with me this morning Lord you are a good God and I believe you've given us a charge here I believe you've commissioned reminding us of the commission and Lord I thank you because I recognize that there's people that are crying these things alongside me. But Lord, as I carry that fourth banner, I recognize that some of those things will be met if only I begin to tell them. And sometimes by telling them, to tell them is, it starts by just listening to them, by hearing them, by welcoming them in, our, in my life, by walking alongside them by them seeing my life and seeing that Christ lives in me. By watching windows and doors open that I'm able to share the gospel that lives in me to them. So Lord, I pray for every single one of us here. There's not a calling because every single one of us would or at least should come up here and say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. But the altar call is for everyone that we would answer the call to be sent out to be commissioned. We are commissioned and that we would be the voice of the Lord <clears throat> and the truth of God in other people's lives. Give us that ability. We're more than able. We can do it in you, Christ Jesus. Give us the power, the authority, the might, the strength. Give us the truth and let us live right and well in this land as missionaries so lord we love you lord we thank you strengthen my brothers my sisters here today give them life and life abundance and out of your abundance that they would give abundance to others we honor you and we praise you it's in jesus name and together we say amen can you give god some praise it's worthy
trustworthy. I hope you, you receive that commission from the Lord. Amen.